Welcome back to Rough in the Basket, the show of champions. I'm accompanied, as always, by Brandon Carr. Carr, how are you doing today? Show of champions. I like that. It's almost, I immediately thought of the breakfast of champions. So, hey, if you're listening to this while you're eating breakfast, uh, give us a DM on Instagram. But doing great. Uh, we're going to continue with these NFL division breakdowns. We had the great Jason Pombo on last week and a cameo appearance from Nate Olshan to talk about the Jets and the AFC East. So if you haven't already listened to that episode, go check that one out. And we also did the AFC West to start this series off. So if you haven't listened to that one, go make sure you check out that one to see uh, what the win totals, that what win totals we have for each team. But today we get to go to the AFC South, which... <laughs> Remember last year when we were debating Trevor Lawrence versus Davis Mills and we came up with that bet about, I know you ended up buying the, the Trevor Lawrence rookie card. Shout out to you for that. But it just made me think of when I was like, oh yeah, we're going to do an AFC South today. That's like the first thing I thought of as we were having this conversation and we had that bet last year. So maybe we'll have something again this year. You know something? I'm not even mad about that though, because I bought that card for like, like I could have bought a jersey, right, or like a a t-shirt or whatever. I ended up buying the card. I think it was for like a hundred dollars. And right now, dude, I looked at that exact same card that I bought graded, like maybe six months ago, whenever I bought that. And I looked at it right now, dude. It's up like seventy five, eighty dollars. So I'm happy that I bet oh. falsely on Trevor Lawrence because it actually ended up working out for my benefit. So I'm cool with it. I told you, man. I told you, man, about him. Now, hey, now it's it's paying off for you as a good investment. So, gotta love that. But um, yeah, let's get let's get right into it. So we're gonna be starting off with the Houston Texans, who, you know, last year were I believe the the second worst team in the NFL in terms of record. They went three and thirteen and one, very close to the number one pick. Obviously, there was that Colts and Texans game at the end of last season that was very uh historical and for the Chicago Bears uh, point of view but this year they're projected at five and a half wins so I guess I'll kind of start with you uh what's your outlook on the Texans this season um this season it's not that strong I mean I think they're more of like a long-term project I will say one thing that was really underrated that they did last year was they actually their secondary I feel like people hate on their secondary so much but if you look at the stats like they were able to get interceptions. They had 16 interceptions last year. They had 15 touchdowns given up uh, by opposing quarterbacks. They actually did pretty decent on secondary. The problem was that they couldn't do anything decent in any other aspect of their entire team. Um, that's why they sucked last year. So with that being said, uh, I do like their head coach hire, D'Amico Ryans. We've talked about him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I do like what they're building. I mean, they gave up quite a bit to do what they did like in the draft, which honestly, I think that's one of the most memorable draft moments I've ever had in my life. Just seeing them go from a uh, second pick drafting CJ Stroud, which actually surprised quite a bit of people. Cause I remember the money line that day was saying something about Will Levis jumping up to two and, mm-hmm. uh, and then he ended up falling out of the first round. So kind of ironic how that works sometimes. Um, and then they went right back and they drafted a guy out of Alabama Will Anderson Jr., who, I mean, he was a beast in college. Uh, He finished his college career with uh, 58.5 tackles for loss, 34.5 sacks, and 204 tackles during his three-year college career. So super impressive. I think he will translate to the NFL. I think they're doing stuff right. I think it's just a matter of getting it all implemented and being able to, like, really show improvement. Um, Their over-under this year is five and a half. I will say I think they're going to go over that. 
Um, I think actually I got a question for you before we keep going on with this. Do you think CJ Stroud starts from the beginning? I'm gonna say yes, but what what do you think about that? I think he starts at the beginning as well. I mean, you drafted him, you drafted them second overall. I know they got Davis Mills and they signed Case Keenum as well. So there's like some serviceable like competition there for CJ Stroud, but I think they'll probably start him pretty early. I think they'll probably rock with him week one. I can definitely see them doing that. Yeah, for sure. I think, see, they they did make some pretty memorable moves in the offseason. Like, I was looking at their acquisitions. I think one that went kind of under the radar, which a lot of times offensive linemen getting moved does go under the radar. But they traded for Shaq Mason from the Bucks, who has been a pretty good offensive lineman in his tenure. They still have, uh, man, I'm, I'm blanking on that guy's name right now. The, the offensive lineman, he was, like, smoking something on the night of his draft. He ended up falling all the way to, like, 11th or something. Laramie like, Tunsil. <laughs> Laramie Tunsil, yeah. That's how I remember him. But he was in that oh, horrific man. trade where the Texans gave up, like, their entire future for him. They gave up, like, three first-round picks or some crazy crap like that. Dude, uh, speaking of smoking, like, what was Bill O'Brien smoking during these ages? Anyways, going back on to uh, – For another day. <laughs> yeah, he, he was on something. I don't know what. Um, But going back on to the topic at hand, I think they did actually have a pretty good offseason, like, being able to get – their quarterback of the future, get being able to get um the a pretty good guy out of college, uh, out of Alabama and Will Anderson, and being able to like really make some. I'm not gonna say there were huge splashes. A lot of what they did on uh, the off season, being able to get some of these free agents, but I mean like some some names on here that really stand out. Like you said, Casey Keenum getting another backup, serviceable backup quarterback, being able to contribute pretty much immediately. Dolan Schultz, I mean he's a top 10 tight end in my opinion in terms of at least I don't know about blocking and all that stuff he's at least a top 10 tight end offensively being able to catch passes he's very good at that uh, and I think he's going to be able to have a big season this year um, so with that being said they also got Chase Winovich to help out their defense uh, Devin Singletary is a pretty decent running back I'm not going to say he's a great running back because the Bills have had struggles at running back in the past and he's been part of that struggle but being able to get another guy at running back and, and uh being able to just get some of these guys they also got Robert Woods so we're gonna see how this this team goes but I will say like their over is at five and a half man I don't think I'm gonna go the, the over here uh I'd like what they're building it's gonna take time they're not gonna be a playoff team this year at all but I'm gonna give them six wins here I think they're gonna be six and eleven that's fair. I mean, I'm under with them, but like I have them at five wins. Um, you know, I think with, when I think about the Texans, I think about CJ Stroud, obviously drafted them number two overall. And I think about how he's going to do his rookie season. I don't know if he's going to have a very strong start to his career, because if you really think about it, he he's a great quarterback prospect. I'm not doubting that he, you know, very accurate thrower. He can hit throws in the whole she can hit whole shots he can you know throw guys open he can make throws from across the field like he has all that to his game obviously a big thing with him was whether or not he could be someone who can contribute when the play breaks down because he was someone who was very much a pocket passer we did see a lot of uh him running the football in that georgia game which actually provided me with a little bit hope that there is that part of the game that he can unlock but I think he's listen when you watch Ohio State and you just look at their wide receivers and the guys that he's gotten to play with, 
Marvin Harrison Jr., who very well might be a top three pick next year at receiver. He is an absolute stud. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, you can go ahead and say Julian Fleming, who was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. You can think of Emeka Igbuka. Like, the Ohio State wide receiver core is awesome. Now he's going to the Houston Texans, where their number one receiver is Nico Collins, who's a solid player, but, you know, I don't think he's, like, all that. John Mechie, hopefully he can come back this year and kind of uh, be a serviceable wide receiver, obviously. He had that health issue last year that didn't allow him to play, but hopefully he's going to be healthy this year and he can play. And then Robert Woods, who, you know, last year really wasn't that effective for the Titans. He's been a, a veteran guy who's been, you know, good throughout his NFL career, but obviously he's kind of on that downwards trend. So when I look at that and I compare that to the Ohio State wide receivers, I feel like it's going to be a pretty hard like a um, a hard or a pretty long uh, road for CJ Stroud to be able to adapt and to, I think, have some success early. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time, which is not a bad thing at all. But, you know, you're going from having this world-class wide receiver room to having maybe one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the NFL. So I think that's going to be a pretty big transition for him. Damian Pierce, I really liked him last year. He was someone who was breaking a lot of tackles. I thought he could possibly be Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, unfortunately, I believe that he got injured uh, towards the end of the uh, last season. And then you mentioned Devin Singletary, a very efficient runner, and I think that's a good running back to pair with Damian Pierce. I think that's going to be pretty good interesting to watch. You mentioned Will Anderson, someone who was a machine at Alabama, someone who racked up a lot of sacks, someone who I think is going to make a pretty uh, immediate impact with this Houston defense. And obviously with D'Amico Ryan's coaching this defense, I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. And you mentioned how they accumulated a lot of interceptions. They were actually 14th in the NFL in in defensive pass DVOA. So they were actually a top half team in terms of being a a good passing uh, defense. So, that was pretty interesting for me when I looked that up and I saw that. Um, so that means I think that they can definitely improve upon that. And this is going to be my hot take, but Derek Stingley Jr. I think is going to cement himself as a top 10 corner this year. I think he's going to have a big season. Rookie season wasn't that great. I do think that's because of the scheme he played in. They kind of asked him to sit in the flats and not really play man-to-man coverage, which he he was a stud at man-to-man coverage at LSU, and they really didn't ask him to do that a whole lot. I think D'Amico Ryans is going to bring out the best of him, and I think he's going to have a really good season. And I think we're going to be talking about Derek Sinley as a top-10 corner in the league this up after the season's over. So with that being said, though, I think there's still a lot of room to grow with this team. There's still – you know, you have a rookie quarterback coming in there with not the greatest supporting cast in the world – You have a defense who, you know, I think there's still a long ways to go. I think there's still more holes that they need to fill. Um, I think they really need to address the linebacking core. I think they can definitely use another corner opposite of Derek Stingley. I like Jonathan Grenard as a a guy to pair alongside with Will Anderson at the the edge position. But I do think they definitely need some more, uh, more guys. And I think... You'll see some, I think you'll see some flashes from this team, but I don't think they're anywhere ready yet to make a playoffs push. So I think five wins is pretty respectable considering they won three games last year. There's a two game, two game jump for them. Uh, I think anything in the going in the positive direction is a win in my books for this team. So I got them at five wins.
Yeah, like you said, that is a big concern I have with C.J. Stroud, the fact that he's been throwing to literally first-round talent for the last three God, years. Man. Chris Olave, uh, Garrett Wilson, uh, Smith, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, the guy mm-hmm. that got drafted by Seattle that yep. probably has a bright future. We'll see, but that's the reestablished first-round picks right there. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a guaranteed lock for a first-round pick. Even if he, like, doesn't get a single catch this year, he's still going to be a first-round pick just off of the talent. And, He'll be uh, a top-ten pick if he doesn't even yeah, just, take a snap this year. So. Exactly. Like, just, you know, I mean, the fact that he's – I don't want to say he's living off of his father's legacy. Like, obviously, he's made his own path, but he's – obviously, there's a big benefit to having a dad that's already been in the NFL and Ray has experienced that and been uh, probable top 15 wide receiver of all time. So and then you add in obviously um Egbuka right Egbuka whatever you say however you say his name right I feel like I'm speaking a foreign language sometimes with like some of these last <laughs> names I have to pronounce for this podcast I swear it's it's embarrassing but uh, he's probably going to be a first round pick as well if he has a good season like that's five first round picks that he's been throwing to over the last three years so that is a concern I do think that he'll. Ad- adapt and I think having a head coach like I understand his head coach is defensive minded but I feel like D'Amico Ryans like every interview I've seen from him every player that's talked of him has said that he's like a very understanding like very loyal very nice guy Um, so I mean I think with that being said like putting even though he's a defensive head coach putting him with CJ Stroud is going to be good for at least the first year being able to have a guy that maybe CJ Stroud can just look up to and relate to I think that'll help him and then maybe um in a few years, we'll see that his development will head in the right direction. I think it's going to be a little transition, and I think we've done predictions for him before. I don't remember what I said off the top, but uh, updated, I think he's probably going to throw it for rookie year if he starts all 17 games or even like 15 or 16. I think he's going to throw for like 16 touchdowns and maybe like 15 interceptions, 14 interceptions. I think it's going to be – there's going to be some positive, but there's going to be some negative. But then again, like Trevor Lawrence's rookie season, a year two was totally different. So, I mean, it's it's hard to really judge rookie quarterbacks, I think, in the NFL nowadays, because a lot of times we want to like just jump to the conclusion that they they suck their year one. So they're not going to ever improve, which is what I did with Trevor Lawrence. Like, I'll admit it. But I think in the end, like a lot of times these quarterbacks are going from one system in college to a completely different atmosphere in the NFL. And it's going to take time for them to adjust. Like I said, I'm still going six and eleven, but um, I think he'll have a good career. I just think it's going to take some time. Yeah, I do too. And I actually liked the addition that they made with, or they, they their new offensive coordinator that they hired from San Francisco, uh, Bobby Slowick. He was mm-hmm. the San Francisco 49ers offensive passing game coordinator last year. He's been an offensive assistant since 2019. So. You know, maybe he can kind of bring a little bit of that Shanahan offense uh, to the Texans, which would be pretty beneficial. So kind of curious to see how he ends up doing as the uh, offensive coordinator. And he gets to work with a rookie quarterback that's going to be very fun to watch just to see how he can develop C.J. Stroud. But like I said, I just don't think that this team is quite there yet to be making some sort of playoff noise and make a playoff push. So I do think five wins is, is where I see them. And honestly, I think that's. I think that's a positive if you're a Texans fan because you won three games last year. You go from three wins to five wins, and then, you know, then whatever you do next season, next offseason, if you're a team that's maybe maybe they're at like seven or eight or nine wins, like that's that could potentially be a playoff team right there or at least competing for a playoff spot. So don't hate it at all. Um, 
and I'm pretty excited to see how the Texans, uh, the future of the Texans looks, but definitely won't be anything special. I feel like this year. Yeah. I mean, they've gone through three coaches in three years. So that just about says everything entering their fourth year with a new, well, not a new head coach, but fourth year, fourth different head coach. So I think, like I said, it's going to take time, but I do think they're, they're headed in a positive trajectory. So moving on, there's no more comments with the Texans, the Colts, they're projected six and a half wins. So I talked about the Texans first. So I'll let you talk about the Colts first. Yeah. I mean, with the Colts, look, I, I think everybody on this podcast knows how much I really like Anthony Richardson. And I think he's going to be, I think what we're going to see for him this year is I think we're going to see the Colts being a really good running team, kind of similar to like the bears last year. Cause I feel like, the, I think the bears were like the number one rushing team in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken with Justin Fields, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert. I could see something pretty similar with the Colts this first season for Anthony Richardson. I think he can honestly rush for like 800 yards, maybe close to a thousand yards. I think that's in the range of his outcomes. I think he's going to be, I'll say he runs for like 700, 800 rush yards, which is still pretty good. But considering you have him, Jonathan Taylor, who I know had like a down season last year and was dealing with some injuries, but when he's healthy and he's right, he's a top five running back in the leagues. And I think that's going to be really fun to watch those two guys just kind of be in the team's rushing offense. There's going to be a lot of read option, a lot of quarterback power. I think it's going to be really fun to kind of see how this uh, rushing offense for the Colts is going to look. I think they can absolutely finish as the number one rushing team in the league. If not, I definitely think top three, top five, without question. I think they're going to definitely be that. I like Michael Pittman at receiver. I think he's really good. Uh, I think that's a perfect receiver for Anthony Richardson, who I'll admit has his accuracy issues, having a bigger receiver uh, kind of being in there and just being a guy who can, you know, if a pass is a little inaccurate, you have a guy who's got a pretty big catch radius who can make these sort of plays and and uh, kind of bail out Anthony Richardson in some moments, I think is going to be pretty helpful. Um, you know, they have Alec Pierce, who, you know, he had his moments last year as he kind of flashed. They brought in Isaiah McKenzie from the uh, from the Bills, who, again, had, had has had his moments with the Bills being pretty effective. I do like Josh Downs. I think that's going to be pretty interesting to see how he kind of does. I don't think he really has a high ceiling, but he has a pretty decent floor, in my opinion. I feel like that him and Anthony Richardson just being a rookie quarterback, rookie wide receiver duo should be pretty interesting to watch there. Uh, the Colts offensive line has been kind of a question mark. I could see that kind of coming into play as well. I mean, we know how good Quentin Nelson is, but really outside of that, there's not a whole lot to be excited about, uh, my opinion. I like the Colts tight end room with Jelani Woods, Malawi Cox, and Kylie Granson. I think that's a, a very solid tight end room. And then the defensive side of things, the cornerback position is where I'm kind of a little bit – have had my concerns a little bit with this team because they're going to be starting. Uh, I think his name is Juju Brents, and they're going to be starting Dallas Dallas Flowers. Dallas Flowers is going to be their their starting cornerback duo. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be kind of interesting to see how those guys do. One being a rookie, and the other guy not being a a, a really uh, proven commodity there. So I could see the secondary kind of being a struggle for the Colts, but. They have DeForest Buckner, who's really good. They have Shaquille Leonard, who's really good. Uh, Quiddy Pay, who's solid. Um, they have some pretty good guys. Grover Stewart is a really good guy in terms of rush defense. He's 
a guy that can uh, really make an impact in the in the in the running game uh, for the defensive side of things. So they have some good players in the front seven. The secondary, in my opinion, is pretty darn questionable. They did have Stephon Gilmore last year, who has had a pretty solid season considering his older age. So losing him and kind of starting Juju Brents and Dallas Flowers, I'm not really too high on that secondary. And I could see the Colts just – I have them at six wins. It could it could be a lot worse if Anthony Richardson really struggles his rookie season, but I am a little bit higher on Anthony Richardson than most people. So I think he'll at least provide the Colts with a very good rushing attack and – I think his weapons are not elite, but Michael Pittman's a pretty good wide receiver one. Alec Pierce, like I mentioned, I think a solid wide receiver two who has had flash last year. And then if it's Isaiah McKenzie or Josh Downs, whoever's going to be the slot wide receiver, I think, you know, will probably play pretty well. And then the tight end room is pretty good, in my opinion. I think Jelani Woods is going to step up this year and have a pretty good year so. That's kind of my outlook on the Colts. I don't think I like Shane Steichen. I like the head coach that they hired because I think he's going to be really good with Anthony Richardson and his development. But I'm not willing to say that he's going to that he's just going to turn it around in year one. And I think there's going to be some ups and downs with this team. And I think six wins is kind of how I feel about this team. Like they'll be they'll be pretty good. They'll be a team that improved from last year to this year. And I think that's a it's a again a win in my books because last year I think they won like four games. You go from four wins to six wins. That's an improvement in my books. And you do that with a rookie quarterback who, if he can, again I think he'll show plenty of flashes this season. But if he can at least improve the running game and and have a pretty decent season throwing the ball, then you know I think that's going to be a, a good thing for the Colts moving forward. Yeah. See, I I'm not a big Anthony Richardson guy. I think he. He's going to be athletic. I'm not going to deny that fact at all. Like right out of the gate, I think 700, 800 yards is realistic if he starts all 17 games uh, on the ground. That is, I think in terms of passing, I don't think he's going to be that good. I think maybe like for his rookie year, at least eight touchdowns, 13, 14 interceptions. I think he's going to struggle. Um, it's going to take some time for him to really be integrated into the offense correctly, I think. And a lot of times he's just going to have to run around and try to figure out something with his athleticism. Again, I love that the fact that you mentioned right away that the Bears did have the number one rushing rushing um rushing attack last year. They were really impressive on the ground. Um uh, and I think the Colts are going to be similar. I don't disagree with that at all, but then again, we saw last year that just because you have a good running game doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a good team overall. And the Colts this year I think they're definitely a work in progress. Like if I were the Colts, man, I know you're going to hate to hear this, but I would definitely not start Anthony Richardson for the first eight games. I think like Gardner Minshew, I'm not like, I I do like the guy. I think he's awesome and everything, but but I'm not going to say that he's like a franchise quarterback or anything like that. I think he can, he can play like, I mean, in his career, he has something like 40 touchdowns and like 14, 15 interceptions, something like that. So clearly he can play. However, I'm not going to call him the franchise quarterback. I mean, he did lose both games as a starter last year for the Eagles, despite the fact that he did put up a fight in the Dallas game. He came very close to winning, had a very good performance. And in the second game, he kind of like fizzled out. Um, he does have a lot of attributes of a backup quarterback. I'm not going to deny that part. But the the reason why I'm hesitant to start Anthony Richardson immediately is because I feel like a lot of head coaches nowadays, they just want to like throw out the quarterback immediately. And a lot of times it puts a lot of pressure on the shoulders of the quarterback. 
and they can't live up to expectations. And then like we've seen with Zach Wilson, right? Like he wasn't ready to start uh, week one back in, you know, a few years ago and he started immediately. He was garbage. Uh, it wasn't really that great. And then they've just flip flop between starting him, not starting him, putting in some other guy, you know, putting him out and getting Aaron Rodgers, like, you know, and it's like, dude, you had the number two pick. You could have done something different there, or you could have at least maybe stashed him for a little bit and then been able to see what he had. Like maybe Zach Wilson, if he had a year or two to mature on the bench, or maybe even like 10 games to mature on the bench, maybe he wouldn't be like where he is today. And maybe they wouldn't have gone Aaron Rodgers and then they would have kept riding with uh, Zach Wilson because maybe he would have been better. I don't know. Uh, just a theory I'm putting out there, but the Colts, I, I think there's a lot of work to be done still. Um, I do like the wide receivers that they have typically on their team. They're pretty good. I mean, Michael Pittman, I have no issue with him. And then, uh, then I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now. Who's the number two they got? It's Alec, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's a pretty good player as well. And I think he could definitely develop year two and be something uh, pretty decent. But again, I mean, there's just too many holes on this team. And I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be worse than the Texans, to be honest. I think they're going to be four and 13. Wow. So, so you think they just, there's no improvement. I don't think there's any improvement. Like, look, and again, I'm not going to, I've learned my lesson because of Trevor Lawrence, where I repeatedly said he wasn't going to improve year two. I'm not going to rule out the fact that Anthony Richardson could have a big improvement year, year two. But for now, I just think there's too many imperfections there. And I think like he needs to wait a little time to really hit his peak. So I think there's going to be some room to grow. And uh, I don't think there's going to be any improvement next year. No, I do think uh, Taylor's going to have a comeback season. I think they're, their offense, um, their running game is going to be strong. I do agree with you on that, but I just don't think it's going to translate to wins. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're going to probably end up starting with Anthony Richardson week one from what it seems like, from what I've been reading and kind of hearing from the Colts uh, camp. It seems like that Anthony Richardson has been the one working with the, the, the number one team, and it seems like that they're going to give him the keys to this team and kind of give him a chance. I mean – I see what you're saying, though, where, you know, if he struggles, obviously that's going to be a test to his confidence. Like, how is he going to be able to face adversity? How is he going to be able to, you know, when he ha if he has a bad game, you know, his first game of the season, like, how is he going to respond and play week two? You know, like, I could definitely see all that happening, but I don't know. You know, obviously you, you probably want your quarterback to be out there and that's kind of how you learn. I mean, I guess it kind of really just depends on like who it is. Like, you know, if you're somebody who learns by actually doing it, then, you know, maybe that's kind of how Anthony Richardson's uh, philosophy and mindset aligns. And, you know, maybe that's better that they start him or whatever it may be. I mean, Gardner Minshew is a solid backup quarterback, but I do think Anthony Richardson probably will end up starting week one. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does. Obviously, I don't think every game is going to be perfect. I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. But, you know, as long as he can show some flashes and like I said, I think I know the running game isn't going to necessarily make them a great team. But having that uh, the number one Russian attack, I think will keep them in some games. And I think that they could definitely win, you know, some games, especially in that division. That's a little bit weaker. Uh, I think that will be, I think, pretty beneficial for the Colts. But I think six wins is kind of a, a fair uh, record for them. Yeah, just going back with the whole thing with rookie quarterbacks and kind of throwing them out there um, compared to in the past, like number one picks obviously would, generally speaking, take the field immediately. Like 
Alex Smith is a great example of how like 49ers and how teams in the past used to have a lot more patience with quarterbacks than in today's age. Like Alex Smith, his rookie season had seven, seven games played. He went two and five, had one touchdown throwing and 11 interceptions. He was complete trash. In other words, um, his second year, he went 16 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, seven and nine. And then his third year, he started six, uh, seven games and then had two touchdowns, four interceptions. So it's like a, and then he missed the next entire season, and then they still brought him back, and he was able to perform at a higher level than in the past, and at least show that he could make passes, you know, from short distance. I mean, that's really who Alex Smith was in his career. But why am I bringing this up? Just to show the point that you know nowadays I feel like quarterbacks have a very short leash, leash, and if like you're not showing that you're growing or you're not showing any kind of signs of potential within the first like four games. Teams are already thinking about next year, drafting a quarterback, moving on from a guy, trading for a guy, whatever it may be. So I think like with Anthony Richardson, the reason why I'm saying like maybe they should hold off on starting him. I think that he will start week one if I'm being like genuine with you. But I do think that in the in the grand scheme of things, it would probably be better just to give him a little bit more time to develop on the bench and looking after a guy that uh, can actually throw the ball and has some kind of skill there to um, be able to observe him and just learn a little bit while he's on the bench instead of having the pressure immediately. Because I mean, like a lot of times that really screws over quarterbacks that may not be ready for the NFL level, may have a lot of potential, but may not be ready for the NFL level yet. So anyways, just had to go on a little rant there. We'll move on now. Do you have any other thoughts on the Colts or are you going to move on? No, I'm good. But um, I guess the last thing I'll say is, uh, I think, I don't know, I think Anthony Richardson is, I think he's someone who, I, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but I don't know, I think the kid has got a really good head on his shoulders. It seems seems like he's really confident in himself, and, you know, I feel like he always only played 13 games at Florida. Maybe he does need a little bit of playing time also, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I could definitely see a world where he struggles to start his career, and then, you know, it's not great, but. I do think that he'll improve. And I think, I just think he really went to a perfect team too, in terms of the coach who has worked with Justin Herbert, who worked with Jalen Hurts last year to have Jalen Hurts have an all pro type of season. I think that's going to be really good for Anthony Richardson's development. So I do think he ended up in a good landing spot, despite if he starts or not to start the season. Yeah, fair enough. So now moving on to the Titans, the big news this week was Hopkins finally got signed, not by the Patriots, but by the Titans on a two-year, I think it was $26 million, $27 million deal, could be up to $31 or $32 million in incentives. We got a Patriots fan in the room, Brandon Carr, so I'm going to give you the floor here, and you tell me what you think about this. I'm really disappointed, man. I I could not be any more, I could not be any more disappointed than the Patriots. I mean, when I saw, I'm like, all right, I knew the Titans probably were going to sign him after I saw the odds shift. It was like, he, I think the Titans were like plus 450 or plus 300 to sign Hopkins. And then the odds shifted from that to minus 300 out of nowhere. And I was like, all right, so he's probably going to the Titans. I feel like Vegas probably knows. And sure enough, not too long after that breaking news, DeAndre Hopkins signs with the Tennessee Titans for a two-year, $26 million deal. And I believe there's some incentives attached to it where it could get to like 32 million if he reaches those incentives. He's right now, I'm looking on Spotrack, and he is the 23rd highest paid wide receiver in the NFL in terms of annual average 
uh, value. So there's guys like Odell Beckham Jr. who's who got a one-year $15 million contract who's making more than him. Cortland Sutton is making more than him. Allen freaking Robinson is making more than DeAndre Hopkins. Like the Patriots, they gave De- they gave Delonte Parker that contract extension, but that opened up some salary cap space. They also did the same thing with Juwan Bentley that opened up salary cap space. And I thought for sure it was going to be for DeAndre Hopkins. And I guess the rumor and the the reports are that they just weren't willing to give DeAndre Hopkins what he wanted, and they were very uh, firm on giving him giving uh, DeAndre Hopkins what the Patriots wanted to give him. Bill Belichick wanted to uh, give DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't know. I'm just really disappointed, man, because I really wanted DeAndre Hopkins on this team. I know he's not the all pro 1500 yard wide receiver that he once was, but he is still, in my opinion, a good wide receiver in the NFL. In my opinion, he's probably a top 25 receiver. So he can be a wide receiver one on multiple NFL teams. And I really wanted them on the Patriots. So I'm really disappointed in the Patriots for not being able to get this deal done. I, when I saw the contract, I was like, they so could have afforded to do this. They could have done this. And if you're a team like the Patriots who are trying to compete this year and you look at the wide receiver room and Juju Smith-Schuster has not even played or has been sidelined all offseason, apparently he's going to be ready for training camp, but has been sidelined off all offseason. Uh, you look at Devontae Parker, who's had his injury concerns. Like Tyquan Thornton, I believe, had, uh, had an ankle injury last year, if I'm not mistaken, like like, I don't know how you just don't make this move. Like, I thought for sure he was going to be a Patriot. I'm so disappointed in Bill Belichick and this team for not being able to get DeAndre Hopkins. I really wanted him, and I think he would have made a pretty significant difference. I don't think, like, a, a needle-moving difference, but, like, having him on the outside and try and getting some more attention from the defense could have opened up things for guys like Juju in the slot and Tyquan Thornton, I think could have benefited from that too. And having him having one-on-one coverage, like just really disappointed. And, you know, I don't know if it was, it just, it's from what I'm reading and what it seems like, it just seems like the Patriots were just not willing to give DeAndre Hopkins what he was looking for. And it seems like he really wasn't looking for that much. Uh, for him to be the 23rd highest paid wide receiver in the NFL in terms of annual average salary. So very disappointed in that. Patriots have about 17 million in cap space to put in perspective as of right now. So with that being said, it's like they could have afforded him, you know, and I'm I'm disappointed about this. I'm not a Patriots fan per se, but I do want to see them at least compete this year. I want to make it a fun division in the AFC East because you know, the last few years, Patriots have been, they made the playoffs one out of the last three years, but it's not the Patriots way, right? And I mean, I want to see Mac Jones progress. I want to see the team do well. Now, the thing is, right, is you said like, it wouldn't make that big of a difference. I mean, I know you're obviously bummed about that, but here's the thing. I think it does make a huge difference because you have, let's say DeAndre Hopkins plays realistically, let's say 11 games, right? He's injured for six of them, doesn't want to play, whatever, you know, he's there 11 games. I think they would have gone seven and four, eight and three in those 11 games having him there. Whereas now I think they're like 500. Two games could be the difference between winning that division and losing that division or being in last place really with how tight all those NFL teams are really competing with each other. So that being said, I think it's a huge loss. It's a huge win for the Titans. Definitely changes my opinion about them. I think they're at eight and a half games right now uh, for the over under, if I'm not mistaken. Seven and a half, actually. Seven and a half. Oh, dude, I'm slamming that over. Slamming that over now. I think they're going to get to 
I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say they're going to get 10 wins. I think they're going to be really close. I'm not going to say they're going to win the division as of right now, but I think they could finish with the same amount of wins as the Jags, and it's going to come down to some kind of like tiebreaker or I don't know how their schedule works out. I don't know if they're facing the Jags again uh, week 17 or week 18 now, whatever it is, but um, I think it's going to be really close, and I think they're going to have that uh, dynamic push with DeAndre Hopkins Whereas before, I probably would have said they were going to be maybe an eight, nine win team. Now I think like they're, it does make a difference. Those two games really does make a difference in the NFL. When you have a 17 game schedule or yeah, 17 games, 18 weeks, it really makes a difference. So I think that's a huge win for the Jag, uh, for the, it's a loss for the Jags, obviously huge wins for the Titans. Um, and they're, they're heading the right direction with that move. Now, the problem is the quarterback that's throwing him the ball. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has had some issues over the last few years. We all know he's been very inconsistent. Last year, he had some injuries. The year before, he was just trash. Um, And the Titans still found a way to win games that year before. However, last year, they ended up losing, what was it, like seven straight weeks they lost to like finish the NFL season? They were like seven and two, seven and three at one point, no? Yeah, they were they were really good, I think, at one point. They were no, seven and two. Right. Yeah. Because then they started, because Ryan Tannehill went down, then they were starting Malik Willis. Then they brought in Josh Dobbs, if you remember that. So they were kind of shuffling through quarterbacks kind of after Ryan Tannehill. Um, I know, like, I have my I have my concerns with Ryan Tannehill, but honestly, like, I feel like they really need him. <laughs> like, it's, it, it didn't really seem like that they were playing that well without him, so. Yeah, see, that's the thing. They don't really have anybody else besides Ryan Tannehill at this point. Like, look, they drafted Will Levis, and he's from Massachusetts. He he spent the majority of his childhood around the North Attleboro area. So, like, that's like 40 minutes from my house. So, I kind of want to – I want to root for him. I want to see him thrive. I want to see Titans at least, you know, be decent. I think Derrick Henry, like, it really relies on if he's going to be healthy this year because he's starting to get up there in age. He, he obviously has a ton of mileage on him compared to other NFL running backs. Um, that's a big component as to whether or not they're going to be a good team this year. And uh, I, I mean, look, like the Texans last year actually had a really good rush stop defense. They had like the ninth most successful rush stop defense since like I think 2013. I was reading. I don't know the exact stat here, but I will say like that's pretty impressive. It was a uh, best success of against rushing percentage since 2013 yeah so I don't know what that means but basically they had a really good rush defense they were able to actually give up less rushing yards per game than the 49ers so they were able to do the hold their own in terms of at least stopping the rush attack in terms of being able to do well on the secondary that's a that's a whole different story they were terrible again but um, bringing back uh, Danico Autry, who had eight sacks last year, two forced fumbles, Jeffrey Simmons, who had seven and a half sacks and one forced fumble, and then Harold Landry, one of the linebackers, had 12 sacks last year. I think that's huge. Uh, they did lose Demarcus Walker, who had seven sacks. So these are some things to kind of keep in mind. But overall, I think like the Titans with their leadership in the front office, like being able to have a guy like Vrabel in the in the front office, or in the head coaching room, I think that's huge. Mike v- Mike Vrabel has been there. He's been a steady force for the last few years. I don't think those last eight losses that they had in the regular season necessarily define them for this year. And I think they're going to be successful. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say I think they're going to win the division. I think the Jags are also going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to win the division. Yeah, I mean, I have the Titans at eight wins. 
I do think a lot of people are kind of down on them though. And maybe I'm, maybe I'll be swayed to like giving them like nine wins. Like I could see them like having a pretty surprising season. I really like Mike Vrabel. I think he's going to be kind of like the new Mike Tomlin where like they're a team that like, like, I don't think they're going to have like this crazy winning record. Like Mike Tomlin does like for consecutive seasons, but there'll be like a team that just stays competitive has a better record than like their team than like on paper like their team is. And I, I do think they're gonna be pretty competitive this year. And I think Ryan Tannehill, like you said, have it we have our concerns about him, but honestly I think they really need him to be healthy. And you know, Ryan Tannehill once upon a time, like what, 2019, 2020 was like one of the best quarterbacks in the league in terms of just being super efficient with the ball. And you know, if he can get kind of get back to that, I mean the Titans could be really good. Derrick Henry is going to be getting older. I believe he's going to be turning 29 this season. So he is really treading that line in terms of that running back fall off point. Like it's Derrick Henry and he's so phenomenal, but like, you know, is that going to be something that could happen this season where Derrick Henry starts to show some age and doesn't really have that, you know, monster season that we're kind of used to him having. Like, I think we kind of saw that a little bit last year too, at some points like Derrick Henry, you know, didn't have his best season of his career this past season. So that could be something to kind of look out for. DeAndre Hopkins for them, I hate to say it, but it is going to be really good for them. I think that's going to really help out with Traylon Burks's development. I think that's going to help with Chica Conquo's development, two guys who I really like. Uh, I'm hoping Traylon Burks can take that jump, but they're not going to thrust him in there to be the wide receiver one just yet. They can give him some more time to develop. He gets to learn behind DeAndre Hopkins. It's going to be very helpful for Traylon Burks when DeAndre Hopkins' contract expires uh, in a couple of years. Like when Traylon Burks is ready to take that jump to be the wide receiver one for this team, I think that's going to be really good. And Chickaconquu, like I said, I really like him at tight end. He flashed a lot for me last year, and I think he's someone who I think could have a pretty solid year too. They brought in Andre Dillard from the Eagles. They drafted Peter Skaronski in the first round. Other than that, their offensive line's a little bit shaky. I could see that being an issue this season. The right tackle, uh, Nicholas Petit Freire, I think is how you say his last name. He's suspended. So I'm going to be starting Jalen Duncan at right tackle. I don't know how great that's going to be. I think that could be an issue. Um, and then I think where really, well, I'm really won over by the Titans is this defense. This defense is awesome, man. I love Jeffrey Simmons. He's an all-pro type of defensive tackle. Tier Tart is a pretty darn underrated nose tackle. I know a lot of people in the football space really like him. And I've watched a couple of his games and a couple of his reps. He's a really disruptive player. I think him and Jeffrey Simmons is kind of like that one-two punch in the defensive line. Really good. Harold Landry's a solid player. They lost David Vaughn, which I mentioned last week. I really likes that move from the Miami Dolphins picking him up. But they got Aziz, Aziz Alshier from the 49ers. I thought that was a pretty good pickup. Arden Key from the Jaguars, who had four and a half sacks last year. Decent player. Um, and then the secondary with Kevin Byard. He's a good safety, as we know. And Christian Fulton's a solid corner. Um, I think this is a pretty solid team. They have a good defense. Their rush defense was the number one rush defense in the league last year. Uh, I think they can definitely kind of replicate that success again. I don't know, being the number one rush defense, but they will be a top five rush defense in the league again. Um, and I think, again, I think it just really depends on how the offense does. If Ryan Tannehill can stay healthy and he can kind of look like Ryan Tannehill from a few years ago, I think that could be really beneficial. 
can Derrick Henry not fall off that running back cliff that is going to be coming eventually because he's twenty going to be 29 or he is 29, I forget. But, you know, that's going to be something to be concerned about. And then Hopkins, I think, really helps this receiving core with Burks, with Nick Westbrook-Ikine and with Chig Conquo and company, Kyle Phillips as well, who was someone who was really, uh, who really flashed in training camp last year for the Titans. Like, I think this is a pretty good team. Like, I like the defense. I like some of their offensive pieces. I'm just not, I don't think they're going to win the AFC South, but they can absolutely make some noise and they're going to be a tough team, I think, for some teams. And they can absolutely make that playoff push, but it's a tough AFC and, I think they'll be respectable, though. I don't think they're going to be totally bad like some people have them. I definitely think they'll go over that win total, and I think eight games is kind of where I see them. And I could absolutely see them winning nine games as well. All right, fair enough. Yeah, so I think that just about concludes our talk with the Titans. So moving on to the Jaguars, literally came out of nowhere last year, ended up winning the division. Like, nobody saw this coming. I remember – we actually recorded an episode after I think it was when the Titans were seven and two. We we're we we're talking about divisions and like the status of them and what we thought was gonna happen. And we were kind of like, oh, should we even talk about like the AFC South? And we're like, nah, like the Titans got this on on hold right now. Like they're gonna be fine. And they lost the last eight games of their season. So that that's how that went. So the Jags, I mean, they literally came back from like against all odds and won a playoff game on top of that. That's the amazing thing. Like they're able to get a playoff win which is what a lot of quarterbacks that unfortunately play really well in the regular season lack to the resume. So props to Trevor Lawrence. He definitely had a huge, massive, probably one of the biggest historic uh, second year steps forward that I've seen in my lifetime. So props to Trevor Lawrence. They got themselves a real star there. He was really able to take it up a notch. Uh, being able to have Etienne also, who he was able to play with in college. I mean, running at the running back position was huge. Uh, one thing that the one thing that the Jags were also able to really address this offseason, they were able to get a pretty decent backup running back, if I'm not mistaken. They're able to grab um man, I'm blanking on his name right now. Yeah, yeah, the guy from the Browns, the Ernest Johnson. Uh, who I mean he showed some flashes. Oh, here. yeah, him too. I forgot about him. Yeah. We got the guy. Yeah, wait, who was the other guy that you said? Tank Bigsby, who they drafted from Auburn in the draft, who was I in my opinion a pretty good pick? I like Tank's but Tank Bigsby coming out of Auburn. I think so that's look, a pretty like good... that's even more power to them. They have even more running back depth right now. Uh, they're they're really preparing themselves for a solid playoff run. As I said before, I feel like the Titans. I don't know what it is right now because I did not prepare to say this earlier on in the day, but I really feel like the Titans are going to come out and win the division, and they're going to have a very strong season against a lot of what the criticism of a lot of naysayers are saying right now. But I will say I do think the Jags are going to finish at 10-7. and I do think they're going to make the playoffs. Like Doug Peterson, Super Bowl champion head coach, was able to show that he's no fluke. He got right back into the playoffs year one with a disaster class of a Jacksonville team that they, he really took over year one and completely turned them around. So I think they're going to finish the Titans and the Jaguars with an identical record at 10 and seven. I think it's going to be some kind of like tiebreaker or something that separates the Titans, but I could see this going either way. And I think both teams ultimately make the playoffs. So what are your thoughts with the Jags this year? I really like the Jags this year. Trevor Lawrence going into set your second year with Doug Peterson's and Doug Peterson's offense Doug Peterson, we've seen it with Carson Wentz have an MVP caliber season before he went down. Like, I think this is a guy who can coach. And I think you just saw a complete culture shift from this team. You went from having the worst coach 
in the history of the NFL, possibly in Urban Meyer, go from him to Doug Peterson. It just seems like it was a complete change overnight. This team was playing much better. They were playing as a cohesive unit. There was, I think, a big culture shift with this team. Trevor Lawrence looked like the quarterback that we all expected him to look like. He won that playoff game against the Chargers. They were pretty competitive against the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. And they just added Calvin Ridley. Like, I know Calvin Ridley hasn't played since 2021. Obviously, he was suspended last year for gambling. But last time he, like, had a like a full season, he caught 90 passes, had 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. I And that was in 2020, I understand. But I think he's, you know, he's – I believe he's, like, 28, 29 right now. He's not at that point where, like – he's going to completely fall off. Like he's still in his late twenties. I think he can have a really big impact with this team. Zay Jones had a good season last year. Christian Kirk had a great season last year. They re-signed Evan Ingram, who looked like a complete bust after his first season with the Giants. They find they unlocked his potential and he became a really good weapon last year. Like, I think we're just, I think, you know, when, when you're on this team with Doug Peterson and with this roster, I think you're just starting to see some of these players like, take that step forward and just I think they're really starting to use their players and they're, and they're putting their players in the best positions for themselves to play good even like Jamal Agnew had his moments last year like that's a guy who was a kick returner for your alliance like or pun returner like you know like these are guys that I think absolutely can make a contribution Travis Etienne is a solid running back I liked the tank Bigsby pick I think that's a good um, power back to add on to Travis Etienne's speed Deonis Johnson, like you mentioned, right now I believe he's the running back four on this team. Maybe he can push out to Michael Hasey at his moments last year when Travis Etienne went down. I think what could really hinder the Jaguars, though, is their defense. I'm not completely sold on their defense. I think their secondary isn't that great. But they have players like Josh Allen and they have players like Devin Lloyd who could who can kind of bounce back maybe this season in his second year. Trayvon Walker, former number one overall pick, and he – kind of take that jump in year two and maybe be a very effective player for them. Chad Muma, who, again, he had a really good rookie season last year, in my opinion. I think that's a pretty underrated player. So the defense is where I'm a little bit skeptical, but I think their offense is going to be really good this year. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to really elevate his game, and I think he plays in a pretty – like, I don't know if the Titans are a team that's going to be competitive, but, like, I think he plays in a pretty – easier division than some of these other teams like in the AFC East and the AFC West and the AFC North for that matter and I think he's gonna have a really good year and I have them at 12 wins I think he's gonna be it's gonna be a stud in my opinion and uh you know we saw it last year we saw the development and if he's only gonna get better I think there I think I just have my confidence that adding Calvin Ridley having Zay Jones who had a good season, Christian Kirk having a good season, Evan Ingram having a good season, the offensive line, they added Anton Harrison, who I really liked coming out of the draft. He was my offensive tackle one, and they got him in the late first round. Uh, I think that was a great pick to replace Jawan Taylor. So um, I think this team is going to be really good in my opinion, and uh, I think they're going to win 12 games. Yeah, they had a huge season last year in terms of like wide receiver contribution and tight end contribution. Like Evan Ingram really turned things around last year, was able to complete, have a- like complete bust, right? Like we were talking like when he after his first season with the Giants where he had like I remember he had like 700, 800 yards as a rookie. And then like he became like a little bit injury prone. He was dropping passes. Giants fans were heckling him. 
then he comes to the Jaguars and then things just get turned around and he just got rewarded a three-year contract. So shout out to Evan Ingram. And even if he fails, I mean, they just drafted Brenton Strange in the second round out of Solid player, yeah. Yeah, out of uh Penn State. That's what it is. And yeah. like Christian Kirk last year, like we were all saying, oh, that contract was ridiculous. There's no chance that he's gonna end up like living up to that contract. I mean, last year he caught like 85 balls, had like a thousand yards receiving. Calvin Ridley coming back, I think he may start off slower than people imagine, but you know, throughout the season, I think he will start to get up to speed and we'll see some of those Calvin Ridley flashes that we see in the past. And Day Jones last year had a very underrated season, like one of the most underrated seasons probably in the NFL last year. 82 receptions, 823 yards, five touchdowns. Like he definitely contributed to the Jaguars. Even in the playoffs, he was able to contribute. So they got a good thing going in the first round of the NFL draft this year. They were able to draft a offensive tackle drafting uh, Anton Harrison or Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. So, I mean, I think like they got a good thing going here and they're going to keep progressing. And again, I'm not ready to say that they're going to win the division, but I could see like either one of those two, the Titans or the Jaguars winning the division. I'm going to give it to the Titans for now, but again, I think they're going to finish with the same record 10 and seven. And like the Jags are definitely heading the right direction. They have a lot of momentum and, I mean, give it a few years, and they're going to be like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I know I can't believe we're we're saying that about the Jaguars, but like, they got the quarterback, man. They finally got it right. Like, this is the guy who I was pounding the table for being. I I didn't think like I didn't think he was going to be like the greatest quarterback of all time, but like I thought like living up to the Andrew Luck, you know, greatest quarterback prospect of all time type of comparisons. Like I thought he can live up to that and be as good as Andrew Luck and. I mean, this is a guy who like last year was really good and now he's going into year three and he's going to be even better. Like with an upgraded wide receiver room with Calvin Ridley coming in. And I think he's got a lot of good weapons. I thought the Jaguars, again, their culture shift. I thought they played really good football. I think they're building a great thing down there in Duval. And uh, I think Jaguars are winning this division. And, you know, like I said, Trevor Lawrence, I think he might win the MVP. I'm pretty – I feel pretty good about that. And I saw it on DraftKings. It was like plus 1,600 odds. I kind of liked those odds. So I did I did parlay it. Or not parlay it. I, I bought a ticket for it. I really, I actually really like those odds. Those are some – wow. Man, that's amazing. I, I, mean, like, I think I put like 25 bucks on it. It was like plus 1,600. For the value. For the value. That's really good. Honestly, like, yeah. I think he can do it. Like, I really think he can. I think his his division's winnable. I think they're a team that's going to win double-digit games. He's got a good offense. And I thought, you know, he's got a good head coach who puts who really puts his team players in the best position to, to be successful. And I think in, the, in his year three, he can absolutely do it. Definitely, yeah. I mean, that's – wow. That's really good odds. 1,600 – wow, plus 1,600, man. I mean, I haven't no. picked, I haven't picked the MVP yet, but that's definitely a value pick right there. That's really good. Um, no, spoiler really- for our episode for the awards, but that's the only one I'm giving out. I'm not I'm not saying anything else, but all right, fair um, enough. I mean, up until now, we haven't given our Super Bowl picks or nothing, so we'll have that coming in the yeah. future. So, dude, to be honest, I haven't even formulated one in my head yet. I'm still like just thinking about it. There's a lot of stuff going on in the off season still, so we still have some free agents out there like Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, so. We'll see where uh, some of these running backs end up and maybe it'll make a difference. Maybe it won't, but you know, there's still, there's still some NFL off season to be had, but we're pretty close to the NFL season. We're only about a month and 
like 12 days away, like a month and two weeks, six weeks away, more or less. As as we're recording this on uh, what's it, July 19th, we're 50 days away from kickoff. Almost there, man. I can't wait, man. Like, I, I just, just got like super excited off that. I know. I'm super pumped, man. I'm excited to prepare for fantasy football. You know, obviously I'll have some drafts coming up. I got to prep for that. Um, it's just, it's just the best time of the year for me, man. I love, love the NFL, love the love football season. It's, it just gets me excited. And to say that we're only 50 days away from it right now is, is pretty wild to say, but we got plenty of more, plenty more, uh, NFL division, uh, breakdowns in the future. We still have the AFC North in the, in the AFC conference, and we have the entire NFC that we haven't even talked about yet. We haven't even talked about your lines yet, so that's gonna maybe we'll be doing that once we uh, finish the AFC North. Maybe we can jump over to the NFC North. Yeah, we can do that. I mean, we got one more AFC division to go through, and then we'll be on the NFC. But we still got five more divisions to cover, so we we got some time, not that much time, but we'll get it done. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll get it done. Yeah, we'll probably be doing it during the preseason, but. It's okay. Hopefully nobody nobody big injured <laughs> gets gets injured and it screws up everything. But um yeah, I think that's it for this week's episode of Rough in the Basket. Uh let us know um your uh division outlook for this uh for the AFC South. What teams do you think go over, go under? Give us your record predictions. Um we'll be posting that on Instagram. So feel free to comment underneath uh our picks and uh let us know if we got it right or wrong. But Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Rough the Basket. You can follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. You can follow us on TikTok at Rough in the Basket. Follow us on YouTube at Rough the Basket. I don't know if you're still using threads. Hopefully you are, but we're still on threads. Um, geez, are we on anything else? Am I missing anything? There's so many. So- I mean, just follow YouTube us on YouTube. Subscribe. I think I said everything. I think I did. Yeah. All right. So. Do you have anything for me this week, though? Do you have anything? Dude, Yankees are in last place right now of the AL. Baseball. Okay. Out of nowhere, right? Coming out of left field or whatever the expression is. I don't know if it's coming out right field or left field, but whatever the expression is, Yankees suck. The world is good. They need to fire Aaron Boone to make a difference. So this is the one-minute sports talk about baseball. Sponsored by Rough in the Basket. Yes, sir. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, maybe we'll have an MOB segment, but yeah, I'm going to the Yankees game uh, coming up uh, next week. So it's going to be fun. They're going to be playing the Mets. Shout out to Big Nate. It's a subway series in New Dude, York. One so. last thing. One last thing. You know, Tigers had a combined no hitter recently. I just saw this like a week and a half ago. They had a combined no hitter. Really? Yeah. Do you know what's pitching? Uh, I, th- I believe it was Matt Manning. I could be wrong though, but he's a stud. I wouldn't even know that. <laughs> Yeah, he's one of the few guys I know on the Tigers right now. Like, it's him, Matt Cabrera, and I think that's it. I mean, uh, Miguel Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera. I mean, like, at this point, like, that contract, thanks, Dave Dombrowski, you kind of screwed us over for several years. But, you know, I don't even blame Miguel Cabrera. It's just all Dave Dombrowski's fault, man. He really wrecked our franchise. He wrecked the Red Sox, too. So, hey, he'll win you a World Series, or maybe he'll get you to, like, the AL championship or whatever. But like, then after that, you're just going to fall apart. Your farm system's going to be a mess. You're just going to be terrible. You're going to have like five players with hundred million dollar contracts. So yeah. Thanks a lot, man. I did meet him one time though. So. Shout out to him. Shout out to him. In kind, we trust. In kind, we trust. 51 and 46 Red Sox. So now hopefully we can make a wild card push, but uh, let's go Braves. Shout out to big Nate. Uh, That's it for this week's episode of from the basket. And, uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll see you. We'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>